Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Donald Trump blames California for letting water drain into the Pacific. Yes, Mr. President, that's what rivers do. They go from the mountains to the sea. There are 58 of them in California, and you can't stop it. And that's not what's causing the wildfires. Just stay out of California, idiot. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is Monday, August 6th. Gosh, I hope you had a great weekend uh, and uh, had a chance to recharge your batteries. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Lots to talk about, of course, because uh, Mr. Trump is up at Bedminster, New Jersey. He's going to stay up there playing golf for the next 10 days or so. But he can't stop tweeting. And the more he tweets, the more trouble he gets into as happened over the weekend when he went out of his way in a series of tweets, first of all, to defend his son, Donnie Jr., on that great big meeting on uh, June 9, that meeting which could be the straw that breaks the Trump administration's back. It is turning out they can't get their story straight, keep changing it, and now Donald Trump admits that they did the meeting to get dirt on Hillary, but is claiming it was totally legal when it is not. And, of course, he went also on Twitter to attack LeBron James, a man who puts kids in classes, attacked by a man who puts kids in cages down at the border. How sick can you get? We got so much to talk about. Great lineup of guests ready to jump into the week with all the news of the day and you and look forward to hearing from you on the outrages of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll jump right into it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news here on a Monday. Well, since it is Monday, let's take a look at the weekend box office, see how it did here. As uh, Mission Impossible 6 continues to roll on, 
I mean, six movies with Tom Cruise uh, in the Mission Impossible franchise tops the box office $35 million and brought it over the weekend. Second place is Christopher Robin, the live action version uh-huh. of the Winnie the Pooh story. That's a, that's a decent amount of money. Not exactly what they were hoping for, maybe a little bit more. Here's the big story, though, by the way. You know, Black Panther is still out there in the movie theaters. Yeah, some really? movie theaters. It's, it's mostly gone, but it's still out there. But over the weekend, it went $700 million is what it has brought in. Wow. $700 million. Mm. Only two other movies have ever done that. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and Avatar. Those are the only other movies that have gone to $700 million at the box office. Black Panther is the third. How'd Mamma Mia do? do Mamma Mia, not in the top three. (laughs) I I don't see it anywhere else. It was number four, Bill. Mamma Mia. Here we go again. It brought in $9 million. (laughs) It lost a lot because it had opened the weekend before, and I think once you see it, yeah. You don't necessarily feel like you have to see it again. Uh, so, no. So, no. So, Mamma Mia was in fourth place. By the way, speaking of movies, this is kind of fascinating because, you know, you've been to, or have you, Disneyland, Disney World. They have these robotics, animatronic stuff. You probably went there when you were in California, right? Uh, Disneyland in California, yes. Yeah, I'm sure you've been. So, you see, they, they do these animatronic stuff. Well, they actually have just uh, unveiled something called Stuntronics. Stuntronics, and they say it could replace stuntmen in movies, oh. stuntmen and women oh. in movies. Yeah. So it's a robot that uses a combination of lasers, accelerometers, and gyroscopes to track and adjust its movements and its positions in midair so it can do the actions of like a real life stunt hmm. person. Hmm. It, like they can do flip 60 feet up in the air. And they can make them look like whatever they want them to look like. So, for example, right, like Mission Impossible 6, I just talked about Tom Cruise. They could build a robot that looks vaguely like Tom Cruise, and then that robot could go out and do the stunt so that nobody has the, you know, to worry about getting hurt. Fascinating, kind of. Not going to happen. No? No, it's not going to happen. All right. Any reason why? Well, it's just because, I mean, humans are better than robots at certain things. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, Donald Trump now says that meeting on June 9 happened. It happened to get dirt on Hillary. That's what it was all about. He admits it now, and he says, however, it was totally legal. Maybe you should have talked to your attorneys before you said that, Mr. President. The law clearly states it is illegal to get information or money from a foreign government or even any foreigners. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Donald Trump tweeting his way into even more trouble over the weekend as he's he's, uh, holed out at his golf club up in Bedminster, New Jersey. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us here on The Bill Press Show this Monday, August 6th. Coming to you live from uh, the capital of the free world, Washington, D.C., in our studio right here on Capitol Hill. We're holding uh, our ground, even though the House and the Senate and the President have all fled the swamp. (laughs) We're here to bring you up to date on what trouble they're getting into, even while they're out of town. It's good to see you today. Uh, Again, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, I just spent some time. I spent some time down in uh, Peter Ogburn country. Well, not South Carolina, but North Carolina. Yeah, down to Raleigh. Close. Never been to Raleigh before. Um, 
the uh, capital of North Carolina. Went through the old capital uh, on Saturday. Uh, did a little visit there to see the old Senate chamber and the old and the old capital. There's only the governor's office is in there, but the uh, the legislature meets now in a different building. Um, and uh, but the uh, 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 old Senate chamber and the old assembly chamber are there. Uh, the uh, assembly chamber where they voted in May 1861 to secede from the Union. Right there. Oh, boy. In that room, yeah. But it's a nice little town, Raleigh, and uh, some great restaurants, great people, uh, sweet tea, and uh, people were very friendly. That's, that's sweet tea country. That's sweet tea and biscuit country. you got to go out of your way to get iced tea that's not sweet tea. It's not tea. sweet? Yeah, yeah. No. If you ask for iced tea, you, you, get, you get sweet tea. You get the whole deal. Yeah, you, you get, get sweet the, tea down yeah. there. But uh, anyhow, good, good to be down there. It's just a long drive from here <laughs> to Raleigh uh, and back, and 95 can be like a parking lot. Uh, so much to talk about the big stories of the day. Of course, Donald Trump's comments on, uh, on November 9, that I mean June 9 meeting at Trump Tower 2016. We'll jump right into that in just a second. He also, can you believe it, also attacked California for not doing enough to fight the wildfires, and he said the problem is they're letting water drain off into the Pacific. That's why they're not doing better a better job. He would just shut up. He doesn't know anything about anything. Um, meanwhile, his attorney is also saying, no, I would never recommend that my client meet with, sit down with Robert Mueller because, in effect, I know that my client cannot tell the truth. And as if Donald Trump didn't ha- hadn't insulted enough people, now LeBron James announcing that he's giving some, putting aside his foundation some $40 million for college scholarships and for starting up this new school. Donald Trump attacking LeBron James and Don Lemon from CNN as both being dumb. Uh, why is it that Donald Trump has such, I mean, just exposes himself so often as just an outright racist and misogynist? Any, any any person of color and certainly any woman in Donald Trump's category, dumb, dumb, dumb. So bad this time that even the first lady had to come out and say, no, Donald, I disagree with you when it comes to LeBron James. Yeah, but the big story, I guess the number one story definitely is Donald Trump's tweets where he really might have done himself, I think has done himself a lot of damage on this June 9 meeting. Let's go back here, right? This is the meeting at Trump Tower called by Donnie Jr. in Trump Tower to meet with this Russian attorney. The meeting was set up by this publicist for the family that uh, Donald Trump uh, put together the Miss Universe contest in Moscow with in 2013. Uh, The publicist for the son of the oligarch who who put up the money for the Miss Universe contest, Uh, this publicist in England, he calls Donald Donnie Jr. and says, hey, I want to set up this meeting with this woman. She's got some dirt on Hillary. And Donald Trump emails and says, oh, boy, if that's what it is, I love it. Yes, sets up the meeting. Uh, Jared Kushner is there. Paul Manafort is there. Michael Flynn is there. Donnie Jr. is there. God knows who else. And when the meeting, when New York Times first broke the news of the meeting, the White House responded right away saying, this was all about adoption. That's what it was. She came in here to complain about American rules limiting uh, the ability of Americans 
to adopt children from, I forget the name of the law, there was a law actually passed by Congress to punish Russia by making it more difficult for Americans to adopt kids from Russia. Uh, That's what Donald Jr. said it was all about. There was an official statement from the White House that said that was all about. And then, oops, two days later, the New York Times gets copies of the emails between Mr. Goldstone, the publicist, and Donnie Jr., where, as I mentioned, it was all about trading emails about we got dirt on Hillary. This is what the meeting is. Donald Trump says, if that's what it is, I love it. Donnie Jr., rather. Uh, And so Donnie Jr. comes out and says, no, actually, it what we thought it was about getting dirt on Hillary. But when she got there, all she talked about was adoption. It was a waste of time. We didn't do anything. We shouldn't have had the meeting, whatever. And, of course, all the while saying that, Daddy did not know anything about the meeting beforehand or didn't know anything about the meeting afterwards. Uh, he, Donnie Jr., is the one who set it up, period, without his father knowing anything about it. Well, that's been the story for a while until <laughs> a couple of days ago. Suddenly, out of the blue, maybe, maybe, I think for certain, because Donald Trump president is worried that his son could be in serious trouble with Robert Mueller, the special counsel. So Trump tweets out that uh, what Donnie did was perfectly, that the, the meeting was, yes, to get information on his opponent, and it was totally legal. He's, um, do we have I have exact, a tweet right here. The exact tweet. Yeah, this, right. is, this is his tweet from... Uh, over the weekend, he, he I mean, he had a lot of different tweets oh, on yeah. tariffs and all this crap. But let's just get right to the one about his son, uh, Donald Jr. Uh, fake news reporting, a complete fabrication that I am concerned about mm-hmm. the meeting my wonderful son, Donald, had in Trump Tower. This was a meeting to get information on an opponent, totally legal and done all the time in politics, and it went nowhere. I did not know about it. That is the that is the full tweet. That's the full tweet, right? He then now, went out and lashed take, out against Robert Mueller and yeah, all that stuff. But that's the that's the heart of the so issue. So take apart that tweet. Number one, <laughs> uh, this does not happen all the time in politics, right? No, opposition research does happen. Look, I was a candidate. I did that. You hire a firm to do opposition research. By the way, on yourself and also on your opponent. That's done by American firms about American candidates. It's not, it's, it is not done all the time for a campaign to sit down with foreigners, with representatives of a foreign government. It is not done all the time, number one. Number two, it is not legal. Yes, opposition research is totally legal. Any but clearly against the law expressly against the law. Let me tell you, I dealt with this when I was state chair in California. I dealt with it a lot. It is against the law to accept any money or anything of value in a political campaign from any foreign government or from any foreigner. Period, Sean Spicer might might add. It is against the law. It is not totally legal. I remember uh, several times when raising money in California I would get a big a big contribution from somebody who had been born in a different foreign country but was now an American citizen. And several times 
I, I was raising money for the for President Clinton's reelection at the time. And several times I would get calls from the Democratic National Committee and from the Clinton campaign saying, are you sure this person is an American citizen? You've got to double check. We cannot take their money. We cannot take anything from them. We can't even have a meeting with them unless they're American citizens. And so this was, no, don't, don't, don't. That's totally, Donald Trump is totally wrong. But here's the point of it is, why get into this? Why get into this? Because he's really worried that Donald Trump Jr. is in trouble. And then Donald Trump himself can't resist. If he just shut up, it'd be a lot better. He can't resist. He keeps just tweeting, uh, tweeting like mad. And the more he does, the more problems he creates for himself and for his attorneys. And But this is the ever-changing story. Remember we talked about this last week, that first of all he said, there were never any meetings with with any Russians. Nobody, nobody around me ever met, not one person ever met with the Russians. And then we found out there were all these meetings, Jeff Sessions, Michael Flynn, Jared Kushner, on and on and on with Russians. So then they said, well, yes, there were meetings, but there was no collusion. And then last week, suddenly they changed it again, and Rudy Giuliani says, there was no collusion, but if there was, collusion is not a crime. He twists himself in knots. Now it's the same thing with this meeting. At first, well, there was a meeting. It was all about adoption. Then, well, there was a meeting. We thought about dirt, but she all she talked about was adoption. Now Donald Trump admits changing it again. It keeps change, they keep changing their story. They can't get us straight. Now the latest is, well, yes, of course, it was to get dirt on Hillary Clinton from the Russians, but it was totally legal. Uh, and, and then, of course, the other thing that changed is Donald Trump still insists he knew nothing about the meeting, where his attorney, Michael Cohen, says, uh-uh-uh, I was in the meeting with Donald Trump. Not that meeting, but I was in a meeting with Donald Trump when he was informed about this upcoming meeting. Before the meeting took place, Donald Trump was told about it, and he gave it his blessing. It's really amazing to sort of watch Trump's rules uh, apply themselves in real time, right? Because, yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it, you know, he, he's done this in the past, right? This is how he operates. He just sort of makes it up as he goes along. And I guess that he hadn't gotten the media scrutiny that he's getting now because, you know, duh, now he's the president. And so we went from, I mean, we've gone through so many different iterations of the story, not just Donald yeah. Trump's side of the story, but like, his defenders, Sean Hannity has changed his defense of him a million times. His attorneys they have to, have to kind of keep up with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, they can't. Yeah. I mean, his attorneys have had to yeah. come out and be like, "Oh, we were wrong. We screwed up," because they're just trying to cover up for this guy who constantly, incessantly, pathologically lies about everything. Right. So, in the last week or so, he has said, "Right, okay, um, that yes." Uh, ordering ordering Jeff Sessions <laughs> to shut down the investigation, which uh, by a tweet, right, which certainly will help Robert Mueller approve obstruction of justice, because if that's not obstruction of justice, I don't know what that is. That is obstruction of justice. <laughs> and if admitting now that, yes, we had a meeting with Russians to get information on Hillary Clinton, if that's not collusion, I don't know what is. So in effect... By his tweets, Donald Trump has admitted 
He has done Robert Mueller's work for him. He has admitted that he's guilty of collusion and he is guilty of obstruction of justice. So then you get, I got to tell you, I used to have a lot of respect for this guy. I mean, I disagreed with him, Jay Sekulow, when he was the attorney for the religious right. But now that he's representing Donald Trump, I just think he's lost his bearings. Well, first of all, his is Jay Sekulow, one of Donald Trump's attorneys in this whole mess, who admits, because he was the guy that went out and said, well, about that meeting. Oh, there's one other, yeah, there's one other little uh, aspect of this meeting. The White House statement, here's here's again, changing story. I mentioned that when word of this meeting first came out, the New York Times contacted the White House. The White House sent the New York Times a statement that said this was all about adoption. And Jay Sekulow went out and said, President's attorney, President knew nothing about that statement. Yeah, it was done on Air Force One, but he wasn't involved. He didn't know anything about it. Well, just a month or so ago. Which is a crazy thought, by the way, to think that Donald Trump didn't have his hands on something that exactly, came out of the White yeah. House. But, but, but that's yes. what Sekulow said. Okay. When on the Sunday shows, insisted. Donald Trump himself knew nothing about it. Well, then, a couple of months ago, actually it was, Sarah Huckabee Sanders admitted that the president wrote that statement. He dictated that statement and said, no, here's what we tell the LA Times, or the New York Times. Again, a great big fat lie, knowing it was a lie. This is what we're going to tell the New York Times. So Jay Sekulow was asked yesterday by George Stephanopoulos on this week, um, you know, didn't you say just the opposite? And Sekulow's got to admit it. Uh, I had I had bad information at that time. I made a mistake in my statement. I've talked about that before. Uh, that happens when you have cases like this. Uh, in other words, they lied to me and I lied to you. That's it. That's exactly it. Right? Yeah. And and then Sekiro has the gall to say, okay, well, you tell me what laws he broke. What is the violation, or what violation has anybody put forward of an actual federal statute that's been violated by the, by the President of the United States? And we've yet to see, and as I said, we've seen an awful lot of evidence. Yeah, well, guess what, dude? The investigation is still going on. And I think we've seen a lot of evidence that Donald Trump did collude with the Russians. Now Donald Trump is admitting that they had a meeting with foreigners to get something of value. I mean... By the way, you pay for Oppo research when you when you get somebody to hire that. It costs a lot of money. That's not something you get for free that people do for free. So that information that they were hoping to get from this attorney had was of great value, financial value to the campaign. It's against the law. Uh, but in response to Jay Sekulow, a lot of evidence of collusion, a lot of evidence of uh, obstruction of justice. And, of course, we haven't seen the indictment yet by Robert Mueller. But just you wait, Mr. Sekulow, when Robert Mueller does come out with his final report, just like he did with Paul Manafort, he will have uh, detailed charges, I'm sure, against the president of the United States. Meanwhile, the president was out in uh, Ohio the other night, uh, in Ohio's 12, trying to turn the tide there for uh, Troy Balderson, the Republican candidate, this is a very interesting district. This is the suburbs of Columbus, an area held for, I think, nine terms by uh, John Kasich, uh, former governor now of Ohio, who, um, is he still the governor? 
Yeah. I guess he yeah, is yeah, until yeah, the end is. of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Uh, anyhow, John Kasich held that district. It's been a red district for over 30 years. Uh, but Danny O'Connor, uh, the Democratic candidate there, is making great strides. It is an absolute dead heat, 44 to 43 in the last poll, uh, Donald, a special election. So Donald Trump, uh, very uh, anxious about what might happen there. He doesn't want a repeat of what happened uh, in Pennsylvania with Connor Lamb. He went out to uh, Ohio to help Troy Balderson. Does he help him? Did he help him? I don't know. As John Kasich points out, Trump was there on his own. Balderson didn't even invite him in. I said, Troy, why did you invite Trump in here, the president? He said, no, I didn't. So, you know, I think Donald Trump decides where he wants to go, and I think they think they're firing it up the base. But I have to tell you, at the same time he comes in here, I was with some women last night who said, hey, you know what? I'm not voting. and They're Republicans. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that's what people, that's why Republicans are concerned about this district, because it is a basically suburban, classic suburban Republican district. And we've seen in all the polling that Donald Trump's constant attacks against women, plus his personal behavior and all the Stormy Daniels stuff, uh, and his uh, uh, treatment of families at the border has really turned off Republican women. But Donald Trump at the rally insists, no, 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 women love me. My wife, the first lady, Melania, said the women really like you. They do like me, and I like them. But I said, how did we win the women? We won the women. Yeah, we won the women. You know, yeah. when you've got multiple sexual allegations mm-hmm. against yeah, you I, and you're paying women to be quiet because you had an affair with them while your wife had just given birth to a new child you maybe don't want to run around talking about how much you love women and how much women love you and i like them yeah mm-hmm. no we know he likes them mm-hmm. uh he's willing to pay a lot of money for it yeah right uh particularly and we'll get to this in just a minute when you attack women constantly constantly the way the way uh he does uh, uh, by the way, one other thing that the John, uh, Donald Trump said at the rally, I think, um, really a slur against John McCain. He's trying to make the point that uh, in the Senate we need to get he we Republicans he's saying need to get more votes because we may have a majority, but we don't have enough. But here's how he puts it: The fact is, we need more Republicans. People say we have a majority. We don't really have the majority in the Senate. 51, we have one person not voting. Oh, yeah. That happens to be Senator John McCain, who is suffering from brain cancer. The, the way he dismisses him like that is really disgusting. Well, remember, he likes people who weren't captured. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The, yeah, we forget about that. Yeah. John McCain. Not a war hero because he was a prisoner. Right. right. That's right. Right. Don't yeah. don't expect any respect from Donald Trump to John McCain. Uh, yeah. Well, when Donald Trump wasn't tweeting about the uh, meeting at uh, Trump Tower on June 9, he was tweeting about LeBron James. Okay, so we know what happened. LeBron James, uh, Don Lemon, uh, went out to uh, Columbus, I guess it was, and um, visited the school that LeBron James just opened. Uh, and did a little interview where LeBron James said something about, you know, this is a kind of a tough time because the president is really trying to divide us and we can't let that happen. I'm paraphrasing. At which point, of course, Donald Trump has to tweet again attacking both Don Lemon and 
LeBron James. By the way, this was at almost midnight. Yes. Uh, yes. The other night. Donald Trump tweeting, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. <laughs> right. So, of course. The I like Mike part gets me. Uh, yeah. Clearly uh, jumping a into to Michael, to Michael Jordan, being a better player than LeBron James. I mean, look, not taking anything away from Michael Jordan, but LeBron James is probably the greatest basketball player uh, ever. But again, why, why um, get into this thing and why uh, he can't take any criticism at all, right? And, uh, and uh, as, as I thought Don Lemon's response was great, basically. Okay, you choose. Do you want the guy who puts kids in a classroom or do you want the guy who puts kids in cages at the border? I, I mean, how can you? Here's LeBron James, great athlete, not only that, but what does he do? And so many other athletes, what do they do with their money, right? They just go out and live an extravagant lifestyle like Donald Trump, gold-plated everything, right? LeBron James forming this foundation to help min minority kids get an education, starts a new school, the Promise School, $40 million for college scholarships. I mean, you ought to be yep. giving him the, 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 the Presidential Medal of Honor at the White House and instead— Attacking him. If you haven't read, I, I, I've, just, I, I, I've done a deep dive into the LeBron school stuff, right, to read yeah, about it. Yeah. It, it is one of the more groundbreaking things. I mean, people talk, Republicans like to talk about, you know, the broken education system, which, look, the education system does have some problems, clearly. Uh, but, like, LeBron has thrown a ton of money, plus a ton of expertise, at the school situation that plagued him when he was a kid. Yes. And he talks about the problems right. that he had as a yes. kid. He says, I'm going to try and fix them. And he's using his own money to do it. And if we did that as a country, which we can easily afford, by the way. People talk about how much money was spent on it. Yes, it cost a lot of money. But don't you think that's worth it to have good schools for our kids? Like, and that's it. He's trying to fix these problems. And that riles Donald Trump up to the point that he calls him and Don Lemon stupid. Calls them dumb. Right, right. Uh, and, um, I mean, this is, this is, uh, on a point with, he called, remember, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, very low IQ, low IQ with Maxine Waters. Um, Charles Blow in the New York Times points out this morning, a little pattern. Okay. Donald Trump, he called, uh, Mika Brzezinski from MSNBC, dumb as a rock, low IQ, crazy and very dumb. Headline news anchor S.E. Cup and uh, Anna Navarro, CNN political commentator. Two of the dumbest people in politics, S.E. Cup, one of the dumber pundits on TV. Republican consultant Sherry Jacobus, really dumb and a real dummy. Jennifer Rubin from the Washington Post, one of the dumber bloggers. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's embarrassed all of us by making very dumb statements. Mary Catherine Ham, CNN contributor. She isn't smart enough to know what's going on at the border. Let's see. I'm, I'm Forbes writer, here. Forbes writer Claire O'Connor, a dummy. Maria Cardona, Morning Edition contributor, made Cokie Roberts look even dumber than he believed she was on a news show, and he called Ariana Huffington a dummy. A little pattern there? Yeah. Gee, I think I see it. Yeah. 
They're all women, half of them women of color. Donald Trump, that's who he is. What's going on on the political front? Lots of exciting stuff, not just Ohio 12 with tomorrow. Progressives making a real difference all across the country. And our revolution out in front in the progressive movement. Larry Cohen, the chairman of the board of our revolution, joins us next here on the Bill Press Show. Stay tuned. Quick break. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Here we go on a Monday, Monday, August 6th, the Bill Press Show. Rolling right along here from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees under the leadership of President J. David Cox. The men and women who uh, staff our federal agencies all across the country. They're proud to get up and work for America every day, do a great job. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program. Direct you to their website to find out more at afge.org. Uh, there's, these are busy times, still a few primaries. And the midterm elections, November 6th, uh, right in the heart of it uh, on leading the progressive charge. Larry Cohen is the chair of the great organization, Our Revolution, uh, the movement that followed the uh, candidacy of Senator Bernie Sanders. Larry, it's always good to see yeah, you. Yeah, great to see you again. You guys are uh, busy as hell these days, huh? Yeah, yeah tomorrow primaries in four states, uh, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, and Washington. And um, one in Ohio, too, uh, for uh, the Congress. Yeah. Ohio's a special election, right? Yeah, right. Special, I'm sorry, special election, yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. So lots going on and uh, goes all the way through September 11th in the disgrace of a primary that I call New York. All right. We want to talk about all of those. First of all, we've been out of for about a half an hour here. we got to uh, uh, give a little voice to our listeners and viewers who've been texting in. Peter? Yes, indeed. We're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. You can uh, send your comments there. Uh, 24 hours a day. We're always checking them out. Uh, but on the Donald Trump statements about LeBron James and Don Lemon and lots of women being very stupid, as you just chronicled in the, from the Charles Blow piece, G. Kane says, Trump said Obama had terrible grades. Yes, remember mm-hmm. remember his attacks mm-hmm. on Obama. Uh, Phil says, Trump threw Betsy DeVos at the education problem. Who is he calling dumb? Uh, well, we know Donald Trump's a genius. It's very stable genius. Very stable. Who yeah. also can't read or write. Matthew <laughs> Naughton. Spell. Or spell. Uh, Matthew Naughton says, why are there so many people within Trump's administration still willing to destroy their own reputations for him? He is positioning himself to throw his own son under the bus. So who isn't expendable to this clown? Find us on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. All right, keep those comments coming. Thank you, Peter. So, uh, first of all, the, we've talked several times um, when you've been in uh, about the rules changes for yep. the for the DNC coming out of the 2016 campaign. Yep. This uh, commission that was put together, you were co-chair, as yep. I recall, correct? Uh, came up with a, some proposed sets of rules, went to the Rules Committee of the DNC. Where are they now, and what's the next step? Have they been adopted? Well, so the next step is all 447 members of the DNC meet in Chicago, August 23 to 25, on t- Saturday morning, the 25th. They vote on these proposals, and most Whoa. of them uh, came through the Rules Committee uh, almost unanimously, uh, and uh, they really go into four buckets. Uh, party yeah. reform, 
state and the national DNC, uh, primaries, caucuses, and automatic delegates. Okay. Uh, what are the most important ones, you think, the most important changes? Well, there's stuff in all four of those that, that are important. Yeah. But, I mean, the one that's getting the attention is automatic delegates, so-called superdelegates. And the proposal there is that none of the 447 would vote on the first ballot for president for nominating the presidential candidate um, in 2020. And so that's obviously a significant change. There's 715 of us, and we would not be voting unless it was more or less a symbolic vote, like by acclamation. Ah, right. So you wouldn't even vote, you couldn't even vote for the candidate that your state endorsed. No, that was an original uh, idea right. from the Philadelphia Convention. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the Rules Committee, with, based on feedback from delegates, they didn't like the idea that like I would be pledged to somebody whether I supported them or not. I see. So, so uh, I didn't mind that. But um, So you just I'm, don't vote. So the superdelegates, as we yeah, call them. Yeah, they're delegates. They vote right. on everything else, including the credentials, mm -hmm. all resolutions. But on the first ballot only, they don't vote unless it's a symbolic vote. So it has been in many years where, you know, it's already decided before you show up, then they can vote. Right. I, I forget how much, could there, are there enough superdelegates that their not voting on the first ballot could prevent a candidate from getting the nomination on the first ballot? Well, this change will say it's only a majority of the eligible voters on the first ballot. So we, the 715, are not eligible. I see. So it's so, a majority of the 3,800, if it's the same number as yeah. last time, 3,800 elected delegates through the caucus and primary system. Mm -hmm. What about uh, some of the other things we've talked about? What about um, caucus states? Yeah, what about change on open, caucuses. So open caucuses, primaries. Yeah, Those caucuses states. are controlled by the party in each state. So we mandate that they must have absentee voting. Lots of people work or they're disabled. They must have a clear ability to recount, as they didn't the last time. Yeah. So a head count. Right. And, you know, there's other things as well to make them. That's an improvement. Yeah, to make them more efficient. Uh, I, I prefer just getting rid of them. But Yeah, well, three states, <laughs> uh, two states already and likely a third. The three biggest are, have moved to primaries, state-run primaries. The problem is in some states, the remaining states, except for Nevada, they're all controlled by Republicans. The voting rights are terrible. So one of the other mandates here is that a caucus must have same-day voter registration to participate in the caucus, mm. must have same-day party switching. So you yeah. can show up and say, you know, I'm a Democrat, I'm, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and many of these states, Nebraska, Iowa, do not have, you know, rules like that and uh, that well, encourage voting. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Makes it a more democratic uh, yeah. system, even though it is still a caucus. Open right. primaries? Uh, not quite as you can get. So you would have to show up the day. What we say is, well, the ones that are open stay open. But, yeah. but for the other ones, same-day registration, same-day party switching. Now, some states are going to say, well, our state legislatively doesn't provide that. Well, what we said is you have to work on that, you know, starting if this is adopted on August 25th to change it. And you can do that by legislation, by litigation, you know, whatever. Um, but the Democratic Party is lined up for voting rights inside and outside. No longer can we have a Democratic Party that claims to say we're the party of voting rights, they're for voter repression. And then in all kinds of places, particularly New York, you make it almost impossible for people to join the party. Right. I remember in 2016, you and I talked about this, I talked about a lot, that one of the real factors working against uh, Bernie Sanders in that it was that you, you had to register 
11 months in advance. Well, it was to six vote. months at six. that time. Was it? Okay. Because it's a yeah. presidential primary. They Got have it. three primaries. This is all part of yeah. the New York games to hold down turnout. But this year, in the, in the state run primary on, is September 11th, the 3.6 million unaffiliated voters, often called independent, but unaffiliated voters, they had a switch 11 months before, as you just said, the primary September 11th. October 13th of last year was the deadline. And that obviously so, has a huge impact, not only for Governor Cuomo, who now Cynthia Nixon can't appeal to any of those mostly young, yeah, you know, again, yeah. 3.6 million unaffiliated voters, but all the way up and down the ballot, including our revolution, is particularly focused on the eight Democrats in the Senate who vote with the Republicans, caucus with them, vote with them. They're called the, quote, independent Democratic caucus. And they're in districts that are overwhelmingly Democratic. So they win the primary with a rigged primary where you had to register, in this case, 11 months in advance. And then they turn around and identify with the Republicans. That's not democracy. No. I mean, for a party, again, that prides itself on appealing to bring new people in and the big tent yeah. party and everything is who've got all these people who might get excited by a Bernie Sanders or a Cynthia Nixon or whoever it is. The yeah, or even is. on their local level. Or, or the, yeah, exactly. And they want to get involved and they want to volunteer and right. then they can't vote. You right. punish them, basically, rather than... So the good news is the Unity Commission was unanimous on 30 pages of proposals. The Rules Committee was all but unanimous. Two people voted against out of 32. And Tom Perez, Keith Ellison, who were opponents a year and a half ago totally joined together, uh, as the Our Revolution folks are, with, um, you know, all kinds of Clinton supporters and, and others um, in the Democratic Party. It's still going to be a tough election because some of these things, uh, the people that are voting are the very people who, in a narrow sense, might think they benefit from things the way they are. Right. Uh, so there have been a lot of stories lately, uh, and I keep getting asked about this as recently as Saturday on MSNBC, about this big split in the Democratic Party between progressives and establishment or whatever, mainstream Democrats, and and progressives are pulling the party too far to the left. They're going to destroy the Democratic Party. What's your take on that whole thing? Well, first of all, I mean, this massive undertaking of party reform, the biggest in decades, is not about that at all. I mean, again, a remarkable no. consensus and compromise and coming together. Well, it's making the of, Democratic of, Party more democratic. Yeah, basically. so that's yeah. great news to me. Yeah, right. Secondly, I mean, primaries are designed to have people of different persuasions so people can figure out and argue what is the party. And similarly, when we build the party leadership in the 57 state parties, including the territories in D.C., you know, that's done in a similar way. You get to argue, contest. But let me say this. I think everybody who's, quote, in the Democratic Party is united to, number one, do as, as well as possible in these midterm elections at every level of the party, and secondly, send a loud message, we're resisting, we're fighting Donald Trump, and there may be some differences about what we stand for, what we think America can be, but we are absolutely united in saying it's time for real change. And a lot of the focus is on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, she's so far left, boy, if we have Democrats like her, we're going to lose everything. I mean... I looked at her agenda. She said that she's not. No, it's basically our Bernie agenda. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she ran in Queens. Ironically, those same party rules led to very low turnout. She had a great activist base. Our revolution endorsed her, uh, Democratic Socialists mm -hmm. of America. And, uh, and it was a very low turnout because, again, they split the primaries up, separate yeah. the state primary and the federal. And, and uh, Crowley did not spend the $3 million he had. 
not that it should be about money. And, you know, amazingly, this great 28-year-old uh, woman won. And she went out in... So can a candidate like her win in other parts of the country? Yeah, well, they are winning in other parts. It's actually easier in many ways to win in other parts of the country where unaffiliated voters uh, can join the party and vote in primaries. In this case, uh, they had to have registered in the Democratic Party by October 13th of last yeah. year. Right. So, um, yeah, they're doing it. And, and absolutely, uh, you're going to see, um, you know, in these primaries that, that, that are coming, including uh, at the state level in New York, many other people with very similar politics. Michigan is a state that's now getting a lot of attention. And there are uh, three-way governors for a primary, I believe, yeah. Democrat, in a, on a Democratic tomorrow. side. Right. Oh, is it tomorrow? Okay, yeah. right. Uh, and our revolution has endorsed a candidate there. Yeah, Abdul El-Sayed, a uh, great young um, doctor who's been the health director in Detroit. Um, and yes, not only him, but we have lots of candidates endorsed you know, for the state legislature and even, even council level. Um, and so it's a key election for us tomorrow. It's one of four, along with Kansas, uh, Washington, Michigan, and Missouri. My understanding is he is a doctor that that um, he that Medicare for all uh, yeah. is a big part of his platform. Yeah, uh, and that would be true of Alexandria. I mean, you're going to see that for basically all of our candidates, some version of Medicare for all. Um, you know, not saying that we can do that necessarily state by state, but that if we all pull together, there's no reason why we can't expand on a 50-year-old program and bring the age down. But. What I find remarkable about this is, again, just two years ago, right, for, yeah. for Bernie, this was like revolutionary. No, you can't do it. It's pie in the sky. He's making a promise. We can't keep it. Now, it's almost, I'm not saying every Democrat is running yeah. on it. No. But now, most Democrats, I think, are running. Yeah, at least Gavin, Gavin Newsom running for governor of California, right. Medicare for all. Yeah. Well, I'll thank our friends in the nurses union and others yes. for that yes. one in California where they're a huge right. factor. But, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is people realizing that we spend 20% of GDP on health care, twice what the countries that have some version of Medicare for all spend. Twice. That twice equals over $2 trillion. Student debt, for example, is $1.3 trillion. The extra $2 trillion we're spending every year could more than wipe out student debt, and plus all the other things that we talk about, new infrastructure, renewable energy. $4 trillion, $2 trillion of it, likely could be saved if we went to some version of Medicare for all, even if it's half of the $2 trillion. So it's not necessarily, as Bernie was accused of in 2016, pie in the sky. It's actually pie on the table, and let's dig in. Yeah, no, and, and people are making it, and it's winning. It's a winning, winning. Yeah, well, people like the simplicity. Right. I mean, Medicare, you know, I'm now on Medicare. Medicare is not perfect, but um, it's simple. It's way simpler. And this idea of paying extra for something complicated that almost nobody understands, people are fed up. Right. President Obama endorsed 81 candidates last week. Right. Now, I don't know them all. I looked over the list, read them all. But um, the, one thing that I found uh, refreshing <clears throat> was that a lot of candidates for state legislature, you've said several times here, every level. It's not yeah. just Congress. It's not just Senate. Got to win the state legislature. Got to win the governors. Right. Um, what? So I was... I was pleased to see that he had so many state legislatures. He did not endorse Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Why not? Well, he, he uh, so again, I could say a lot of things about this. So what was that process like, Mr. President? Um, who did you consult? Um, I mean, I, again, in our revolution, it's close to torture. It has to come out of a local group. They have to fill out a questionnaire uh, on every issue. So you get to see where are they on the issues. 
you know, what was that process like? So, you know, from my point of view, we're beyond the time where, you know, whether it's the president or Bernie Sanders, where it's just about what did one person endorse? It's got to be much more about are we building a grassroots party? Are we building a sustainable political movement um, at every level? So, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that she wasn't on his list because the list is actually, you know, virtually all moderate Democrats, better than the Republican alternatives, but moderate Democrats. And when you're when our revolution endorses, I mean, this is a process. I mean, this is bottoms up, right? Yeah. This is grassroots up, right? That's where they yeah, come from. As I said, from. close to the torture. So it has to first come, <laughs> and if it's statewide particularly, because then it's all the state groups. And, you know, it's easy to form a group so they don't inherently get along. Some states do now have state committees, and that's much simpler. But it's uh, so it's the groups in their area. It's a detailed questionnaire on issues that then is publicized. And then it's a political committee of the board that Senator Nina Turner heads with Jim Hightower, uh, Jim Zogby, Arab American Institute, mm -hmm. and Deborah Parker, a Native American leader from Washington. And they then, unless it's a local endorsement like state legislature, yeah. they then have to review and figure out, well, this one said this and this one said that, et cetera. Right. Um, and then it's published. And then we do emails and texts and phone calls and uh, ideally, if there's a local group, door-to-door -door, uh, as well. And it's OurRevolution.com. Dot com. OurRevolution.com. Yep. We've given that to you many, many times. Check it out. Yep. Be a member, as I am, and support their good work and the progressive candidates all across the country. And when you go to the site, you will you can see all the different candidates you've endorsed. What are the ones that you're, you're the most excited about? Well, Abdul El-Sayed is definitely one. Uh, Alexandria uh, is another. Um, but, you know, people like Michelle Dietrich running for this as a state senator tomorrow in the primary um, in in Michigan, mm -hmm. um, you know, in Kansas, uh, two people running for Congress, Thompson, who ran the last time, as well as and Brent Welder. Bernie went out and endorsed. Uh, yeah. Thompson. With Ocasio, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That's right. Uh, yeah. A few weeks ago. Uh, Nina Turner, my champion, uh, was in Michigan uh, and Missouri this past weekend. So, I mean, just in these four primaries, again, uh, the political committee of the board is four other people, not me. So I don't know these names off the tip of my tongue. But just tomorrow, like 25, 30 people running who are great grassroots progressive candidates elected, uh, they would make a gigantic difference in this country. Uh, Governor Jay Inslee from Washington State is the head of the Democratic Governors Association. Uh, he made a point yesterday, I think, about um, uh, 2018, which is so important. Again, so much of the focus is on the Congress, which is important. Sure. I want to ask you about that in just a second. But here's the point he made yesterday about a focus. We got to elect Democratic governors so that we can stop this pernicious gerrymandering. And when we stop the gerrymandering, we have a chance to win back the House of Representatives. So that's that. that that's why the Michigan thing and, and other yeah. states so important, right? Yeah, he's totally right. I mean, we're modest in our revolution about what we can do in big statewide elections. Obviously, Maryland, one of our mm. own founding board member, Ben that's Jealous. That's another one. Thank you. You know, we will go to the wall yeah. for Ben Jealous in every way. And our revolution, Maryland, is statewide. Uh, you know, groups across the state, including, you know, the West, a traditionally Republican. But, um, you know, we will go to the wall for Ben. But in general, the amount of money it takes for a governor to win is, um, you know, beyond our reach. So we tend to aim a little bit lower. Right. Um, ben Jealous surprised a lot of people by his win in Maryland. Yeah. Well, he's a great candidate, a great campaign. And as you said, what did he run on? Medicare for all, uh, mm -hmm. public institutions, um, free tuition, uh, higher education. You know, these things, until Bernie ran, were considered, quote, 
radical, but they're not radical. You know, when I grew up in Philadelphia, the community college was free. I went to Rutgers, which was almost free. And I didn't, even, you know, I moved there. But, but um, you know, the whole University of California system was free throughout yes. the 70s. So why do we consider it a radical idea to bring back what we had before? Or Medicare for all, a 65-year-old program, 63-year-old program. Why is it radical to bring down the age? That's not radical. We need to do it. And that's what Ben ran on. Are you um, are you feeling bullish about a blue wave for Congress taking back the Congress this year? Well, so that's again a very complicated math game because of, as Governor Inslee mentioned, the way these states like Michigan uh, are set up. I mean, uh, Pennsylvania uh, because of the court decision. Yes, right. optimistic yeah. that we're going to win a bunch of seats there that we never should have lost, except for the gerrymandering. Except that existed. for Pennsylvania, we're still running on the old old that's districts right. this this time. Yes. So given so that, tough. given that. It'll right. be very close. I mean, I think we need 23. It changes yeah. every day, mm-hmm. including tomorrow. But, um, you know, so roughly 23, uh, you know, I think it'll be very close. Uh, and um, the Senate's a different story. Right. Because of the way, you know, the Senate runs in, in, in cycles, six years, uh, every two years with six-year terms. Uh, that would be uphill to get to 51, uh, to pick up a net of two, given 10 Democratic senators running in states that, Trump won in just two years ago. All right. So for people who really w- want to see change, right, yeah. uh, and know that this is th- th- this is the opportunity, this is the moment, right? Yeah. What can they do? What yeah, can I really do? appreciate that question. Very few people even ask it. I mean, I think the key, there's more than 3,000 counties in America. They need to dig in in their county. And in most counties, my opinion, uh, this is our revolution strategy, obviously, you need to build the party and and be willing to help lead the party in your county, meaning the Democratic Party. There are places people have said to me, you know, from Oshkosh, Wisconsin to California, hey, we can build our own party. But I think in general, that's not going to work. You're not going to you're going to be a minority, an established minority for years, if not forever. Yeah. And so I think digging in on the county level, all 3000 plus counties in America and building from there is really the key. In the meantime, yeah, wherever we can make a difference in an election, election is about choices and differences, not necessarily ideal. We need to do it, you know, for the 92 days or 91 days between now and Election Day this November. Because, as you said, the whole world's watching this election. we got to send a signal that people not only will resist, but we can actually change things. And uh, a place to find out where they can plug in? Ourrevolution.com. Go to Candidates. There's a tile down on the bottom of the first page. Click on it, and you'll see... It's a growing list. I don't know what, 150 what, or more candidates. Okay, endorsed. what about people who live already, uh, you know, in in pretty blue districts or pretty pretty yeah. blue states? Dig into the Democratic Party, run for precinct, run for county office. So across Maryland, people did that uh, on June 26th, and huge number one, and the party will be, be the better for it. And, you know, say to this party, um, we want a party that runs on the 2016 platform, not just every four years, but in a meaningful way, that this is a party that needs to stand for something, not just winning blue-red, but standing for the people, a popular party. There are several organizations out there. You know, I yeah. always plug Our Revolution, but you know, there's an Indivisible, there's Sister District, there's Swing Left, there are these Working other Families Party is a key Working ally. Families Progressive Party. Democrats of America, DFA, yes. We, we uh, need, wherever I, possible, we all work together. That's, that was my question. Yeah. Are, are you all working together? Are you working together? Because yeah, I, not I, in every place, but yeah. as much as possible. That's our strategy, is to work together. On, uh, so we describe our revolution as a triangle, issues, candidates, party building, 
And obviously on all three sides, we're not going to change things unless we work with the broadest possible coalition. So for Our Revolution, it's uh, OurRevolution.com. And the big vote for the DNC. Uh, August 25th, uh, Saturday morning. August 25th. All right. I know In few, Chicago. I know a few of those DNC members. Uh, used to be a member of the DNC when I was state chair. So yep, uh, maybe I'll right. have to do a little you, proselytizing California here. has 30, the most. And I, I can add in two seconds, just a few weeks ago at the state executive board, more than 300 people, they voted to endorse all the reforms. They did. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't a unanimous yeah. vote, but it was overwhelming. All right. Well, I wish I could take credit for it, but I <laughs> Well, it's your hey, legacy. Larry Cohen, great to see you. Great to see Our you. Revolution.com. Igor Volsky joins us next. Stay tuned. We'll be right this back. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yeah, we're about. Here we go. It is The Bill Press Show on a Monday, <laughs> August 6th, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio right here in Capital, D.C. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's good to see you uh, here on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. And are ready to roll through the news of the day. Donald Trump tweeting like mad, getting himself in more trouble every time he tweets. But now he says, damn right, we had a meeting to get some dirt on Hillary. Uh, and that's what it was all about. But it was perfectly legal. Oh, yeah. Tell that to your attorneys. And to help us through that and all the other news of the day. Uh, usually he's sitting in this chair when you see him. But uh, today... <coughs> He is, a, in all humility, he's agreed to sit <laughs> in across the table as a friend of Bill, and it's so good to see Igor Volsky <sighs> from now, Executive Director of Guns Down. So far from the chair, yet so close at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> New job. New job, that's right. Guns Down, full time. We, Bill, are building a future for fewer guns. Uh, and a safer, safer America. And a safer yeah. America and safer communities. Uh, you know, um, I have to tell you, I was, so I was in Raleigh, North Carolina over the weekend. And um, if I can find it real quick, well, I'll tell, I'll, after the break, I'll tell you at any rate. Uh, I've got a minute here. I've never, you know, I've never been to North Carolina, believe it or not. I've been really? to South Carolina, Peter's homeland, but I've yes, never yeah. North carolina well, you've seen the better North. You've seen the better. Yeah, I've seen, seen the, the better, better Carolina. Carolina. Okay, yeah. here okay. is a photo. Here's Carolina. a photo of the convention center. I said a hotel right alongside the convention center. And if you're going in the convention center, here's what greets you at the door. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, there's that's a sign a with a gun symbol. crossed out. Gun. It's in a circle with a gun and a line across it. Yeah, and there's a lot of those in Chicago as well. Uh, they're all over, which is <laughs> slightly ironic because, of course, Chicago has some of the highest gun crimes. Right, uh, anyhow. In the but I was glad to see that, particularly in North Carolina. 
So we'll jump right into it with Igor here with all the news of the day. And remember, your comments always welcome on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Igor, you know the rules. We get into it. But first... First, first, a full court press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. So we go to Twinsburg, Ohio. Where? Twinsburg, Ohio. Yeah, I can't imagine that you've ever been there. Uh, but uh, over the weekend, they had the Twins Day Festival, which is where twins from all over the world oh. show up to celebrate the fact that they are <laughs> twins. In fact, I've always twins. wanted to have a twin. Well, well, they, at, at this <laughs> festival, they had a very special occasion. It was called Twice Upon a Time, where identical twin sisters married identical twin brothers. Here's the deal. They met at the Twins Day Festival in Twinsburg, <laughs> Ohio, last year. I, I'm lost. The sisters married the sister, or the brothers married the brother? Brittany no. and Deanna Dean were the sisters' names. They yeah. met two twin brothers, Josh and Jeremy Slayers. So one of the oh. brothers married one of the sisters. I got oh, okay. And then the other brother married the other sister. You will not be surprised <laughs> to hear that they were married by... Identical twin ministers who this conducted the whole They're ceremony. They're taking this too seriously. No, two of everything. Just, yeah, and, like, no. I'm looking at the pictures. The Daily Mail has photos of them. And, like, it, they, they, I don't know what I expected, but they are identical twins. It's two sets of identical twins. Do you so. think the other one felt like, oh, I got to do this? I mean, there must yeah. have been so I know, much pressure for this I was going to say, totally, to totally. That's, that was part of it, I'm sure. By the way, another quick story. I, I think this is fake news. Another quick, st- oh, I, another, I do. Another quick story. Uh, Wells Fargo re- revealed that they had a real issue with uh, some of their foreclosure software that they have, and they accidentally foreclosed on several homeowners who were like up to speed, up to date on their payments, but the software glitched. They have had to set aside eight million dollars to help fix the problem. That's how bad it got. Wells Fargo's got a lot of problems. problems. They got a lot of problems. They got a lot of problems these days, but that's just the most recent one. So, right. Hmm. Can't get these twins things. (laughs) Right. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, Donald Trump says the problem in California, they can't fight the wildfires because they're letting the water drain into the Pacific. Yes, Mr. President, that's what rivers do. They start in the mountains and they drain in the Pacific. I can tell you there are 58 of them in California, as a matter of fact. 55 of them have been dammed. Three of them are free-flowing rivers. They all end up in the Pacific, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Hello, everybody. Great to see you on a Monday, August 6th. It is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And joining you all across this great land of ours online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Looking at you on Free Speech TV and joining you out in the greater Chicago area on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. Here in studio with us as a friend of Bill for the entire hour, our good friend Igor Volsky, now executive director of Guns Down at uh, GunsDownAmerica.org. And, make it uh, your homepage. I, People uh, still have homepages. If you have a homepage, make that your homepage. There right. you go. They still do that? I don't know. Some people may, maybe. Right. 
So but, to those um, people, I say. I am so glad to see Igor. I haven't seen you in quite a while. And um, I was going to take the day off today, but when I found you were coming in, I came in expressly because— So I, I could have been in this chair? Is that what you're saying? You could have been. <laughs> One way or the other, we were going to have you here. Right, uh, right. Uh, but I came in uh, expressly because I needed to see the haircut. Oh, it's a very I, uh, I accidental. Look, I and heard you a week ago when you were haircut. here. Spend half the show. Half talking the show about is about your, the hair, but it's grown in a little bit now. I was going to say, we, Ray and I just noticed it's grown in a lot it's since he was here. Lot. Oh, yeah. no, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you know, I'm thinking I'm going to do it again because I, I actually liked it. I liked it. I got a good, good response from everyone but Fox viewers, and I can live with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in Latin America not too long ago, and I saw a lot of gang members with haircuts <laughs> like that. That's just, that's, that's just, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gang members Richard Spencer and me. I think that is really the, the company I keep. Okay, so for those of you who are not watching on television, just, uh, it's a summer haircut, a little uh, hair on top and shaved around the sides. Shaved around the side, tightly yeah. shaved around the sides. It is a new look. Well, not just for you, but I mean it's a new look. I do see it. Setting a trend, Bill. I'm trying. You have always been (laughs) out there in front. Tell us about Guns Down, this organization we've talked about. This has been sort of a project of yours before, but now you've taken it on full time and and what are the goals? How do people sign up? What do you what do you aim to? Yeah, well, so folks can go to gunsdownamerica.org, and the goal is simple, to build a future with fewer guns. And we say that because to really solve the gun violence problem, you have to go after the guns themselves. Guns are the problem. So the difference between us and some of the other groups out there who do very good work is that they tend to talk about taking all of the 390 million guns in circulation in America, that's more guns than people, 390 million, and confining those guns in the hands of responsible people. And uh, I don't believe, looking at how other countries have solved their gun violence problems, that that's a bold enough solution. And so that's why we talk about things like having a federal license if you're going to own a firearm, having a federally funded gun buyback program to suck up some of those guns, uh, having to register your gun, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what we know from countries that have adopted these solutions and states here in the United States that have adopted these solutions is that they do lower rates of gun violence and they do lower rates of suicide. So our mission is to rally people around this idea of fewer guns and to drive campaigns, advocacy campaigns, Bill, that will weaken the gun lobby and the gun industry. I was just trying to remember the name of the senator from Texas a few years back, Phil somebody, who said, I may have as many guns as I need, but I don't have as many guns as I want. Well, look, you, uh, how many? How about a limit of how many guns any one person can own? Well, that's. I mean, a, a limit is a, a limit's not a bad idea. Also, waiting periods for I mean, when you for when you have to purchase idea, a gun. I believe. And the license is actually an idea where you can find a lot of common ground with gun people because they they often say when I talk to them, well, I'm a responsible gun owner, and of course I can pass the test, and that's, of course I can. Do that's all the phrase that. that I was just thinking. responsible gun. You hear that all the time. I don't see how a responsible gun owner could object to no. having a license. No, and what license. I'm saying is if you call yourself a responsible gun owner, then you should be able to prove it, right? Then you yeah, should be able right. to take the raging test. Then you should be able to take 
the legal tests that come with a license. And what we've seen in terms of the license here in the United States is that it's actually the license piece bill that reduces gun crimes, not background checks on their own. Background checks are, of course, a part of getting a license. They run a background check. But when you have to go to your local law enforcement authority and apply for that license and get your fingerprints taken and they run a more exhaustive background check, that's where you really weed out the truly responsible gun owners and either straw purchasers who purchase firearms for somebody else or criminals. And that's what leads to the crime reduction. We need that on the federal level. You mentioned that other countries, this has worked in other countries. What other countries have successfully limited well, the biggest. First of all, anybody does a better job than us. I anyone, guess, uh, yeah. So it's about, it's but. just about anyone. Uh, the 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 mo the biggest example and the example that I talk about in great detail in my forthcoming book, Bill, also called Guns Down, Guns uh, Down. Right. out in Good. May of 2019. The uh, Australia is, of course, Australia. Uh, that's a country where, after a tragic shooting in 1996, they really, within a matter of weeks, came together as a country, and that's a country that had a very robust gun culture, a country that had a lot of NRA-type organizations. Mm -hmm. But after this tragedy, they came together and they passed a comprehensive gun bill that included there a mandatory buyback and a lot of licensing uh, requirements and other changes. And since then, uh, since 96, I believe, that this reform passed, they have really haven't had another mass shooting and have only had one or two instances where there's been more than two or three people yeah, one killed recently with a, a firearm. Shooting, it was think, a but domestic uh, domestic But there yeah. it's a it's a rare exception, right? Whereas here it's Well, and the amazing part Bill, I was reading through the debates that they had about the the, the change in Australia and the prime minister at the time who was a close friend of the Bush family uh, talked about in public speeches you know, we have so much respect uh, for America. America is our friend. In many ways, Australians want to be like America. But he said, we cannot go down the American road when it comes to guns. Mm. And that was a piece of their campaign to avoid where we are, which is not only the most guns and the most guns per capita, but also as a result, the most public mass shootings of anywhere else in the world. Right. But isn't the problem, I mean, I admire your um, d determination uh, and your zeal, but isn't the problem that you've got cowardly politicians who are afraid of this issue and just run from it? Oh, absolutely. And we just released a Bo new of both parties of both parties. Uh, uh, well, yes, it, we just released a new poll uh, over at Guns Down America that shows that while politicians often talk about these moderate solutions like background checks, the American people are actually far ahead of the politicians. So they support things overwhelmingly, by the way, like licensing, it's over 80%, gun buyback, 79%, background assault weapons ban. I mean, background checks, of course, has always off, been up off, there. Right, yeah, off, the always, off, off the charts. And these are Democrats and Republicans, Bill. And politicians have been very risk averse to call for these kinds of bold solutions. Let me give you an example. I uh, interviewed Richard Blumenthal not too long ago, uh, and in Connecticut, they have a licensing scheme. They've had it since, I think, the 1970s, if I'm not mistaken. And it's that licensing idea, again, that has led to a drop in gun crime in Connecticut. And so I asked him, Senator, you're from Connecticut. Do you think licensing in your state can serve as a model for the country? And he avoided the question and talked about background checks. And so what we're saying in this poll 
is that uh, people running for office, lawmakers already in office, look at where your constituents are. They want to win on this issue. And for them, winning looks like a future with fewer guns. And to get to a future with fewer guns, we need registration, we need licensing, we need a federally funded gun buyback. They support that. Without you organizing them, they support that in such great numbers. If you lead on this issue, you will have success. But will those people come out to vote where, uh, you know, the problem is the gun nuts, yeah. if you will, are motivated and the NRA, NRA whips them up with all these fears that anybody who's for any responsible, who's for any responsible gun safety measures wants to take away your gun. Well, that's right? the challenge. That's where you have to do the work of organizing your constituents and your voters around these principles. But they have to be built bold principles that people think will actually work. Right, because yeah, uh, people believe in I, background checks, but they don't see it. You need bold principles, but you need bold politicians. You need bold politicians. This, bold, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm looking for bold politicians. I mean, the to idea support this idea that Senator Blumenthal, whom I have a lot of respect for, um, I've never interviewed him. I don't know him, but um, I mean, he's a he's a pretty outspoken on a lot of issues. And to his credit, I should say, I do believe he's <laughs> on a licensing bill in the Senate. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So I think he. He supports the idea, and I don't know, maybe I, it's how I phrase the question, or he, he, but his question to me, his answer rather to my question was vague. He has in the past supported some version of, of licensing. My, uh, when I look at the midterms this year, uh, among the issues that people are talking about, I've, you hear a lot about Medicare for all, you hear a lot about immigration, you hear some about climate change, not a lot, but I have the impression that most candidates have just walked away from the gun safety issue, which they should not, but they have just because they see it either as divisive or that they can't win on it or that it's hopeless but you know, Bill, or it's that it's same, hopeless. Look, is it an issue? That, are, are people talking about it? I know you are, but you find well, candidates people, you know, talk you, about it? Uh, I've people, heard, I've voters? Heard, I've heard candidates talk about it in certain races. <laughs> You know, I think this is a question of what we saw in marriage equality, right? When you had, even as, as late as 2009, 2010, Democratic politicians afraid to endorse marriage equality, to talk about full LGBT equality because they're risk averse, right? And then what happened? Things changed very quickly, and they now every Democrat running for office has to you know s support these kinds of issues and they talk about these issues when it comes to the change in composition of the Supreme Court etc cetera, etc cetera, etc yeah. et so th I, there's a lot of similarities between marriage equality and the gun issue actually and I think it's gonna take that same kind of combination of factors where you're gonna need public opinion is already changing but you're gonna need one or two brave lawmakers to come out and start to lead on this issue because people are already there. Your constituents are already there. You simply need to run on these ideas, to organize, to make a stronger case for these ideas. Um, and people will respect that kind of bold position even if they disagree with you because now the problem is candidates who support background checks can't articulate right a clear strategy or a clear vision of how background checks are going to get us to a place where we're going to be safer from gun violence. People understand they're a piece of the puzzle, but politicians aren't defining what winning looks like. And that's why we're saying winning is fewer guns. That's the end goal. That's the 20, 30 year goal 
fewer guns. That's how we're going to protect our children. Right. You also need, I think, some of these politicians, and we talked to John Yarmouth from Kentucky. Uh, he's the one who pops into my mind, who are willing to stand up and point out that, hey, I've 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 been for uh, openly in, uh, advocated gun safety measures opposed by the NRA, and I keep winning. Yeah, in my district. So you can do this and win. Well, you and know, you people saw have to on see. Friday that article in the Rolling Stone about the NRA filing in New York saying that they're in dire financial straits. Did you this see this? No, I didn't heart. see this. This breaks my right. heart. Oh, so, my God. so they're in dire financial straits because a uh, insurance product that they had been offering for the last year called CarryGuard now. Uh, they can't find insurers to underwrite it. And the reason why they can't find insurers to underwrite it was because of a campaign we ran at Guns Down against murder insurance. We called it murder insurance mm. uh, in partnership with Color of Change and Sabrina Fulton, Trayvon Martin's mom, where we convinced the two insurers that had been offering that NRA product uh, to break ties with the NRA, to this stop offering This was it. insurance for what? I mean, what? This was insurance, Bill. Uh, that you so, could buy if you shot somebody, you sh right? Then, then you, you'd have money to clean up your carpets when you when you shot them on your floor. You would get a replacement firearm. You would get all of these benefits. When we saw this, we said, "They pay your defense, legal defense, defense bills." We thought this was ridiculous. We thought it was an ex expansion of stand your ground laws, um, and you know, we thought that it could have the kind of impact that stand your ground laws have had, right? Where you've seen an increase in killings, particularly white people killing black people. Um, and so we approached Sabrina Fulton and we, because for us, the prime example was the Trayvon Martin case. So we approached Sabrina Fulton, asked her to do a video for us. She did directly urging the Chubb and Lockton Affinity were the two companies to break ties. And they actually did. They broke ties. And they're actually fined by the state of New York for offering that kind mm. of product. And now the NRA is saying that they're hurting because of it. So we are winning. Our strategy yes. is working because yeah, the entire idea you. is you chip away at the NRA, you chip away at the gun industry, and you create the political space you need to make these bold policies an actual political reality. We keep thinking of Florida. You mentioned Trayvon Martin with the stand your ground law. Yeah. Um, how many states... Oh, it's I think, it, you know, I, I, I have the number eight in my head, but I don't know if that's right or not. The most recent outside the convenience store wherever I've seen that tape yeah. over yeah. and over again. I mean, it's a good number of states. It started in Florida with Jeb Bush. Classic case where I, I, I don't know from what I saw on the tape. I mean, the guy had no no reason. His, his life wasn't threatened. If you watch that tape and I. It, uh, it's hard to watch, and I but I encourage yeah. you to watch it. You can see how the gun in the situation does not de-escalate the situation. It doesn't no. protect this man from no. anything. No, he it's purely out of retaliation. It's it, and, and you know the guys on the ground, the guy, uh, the the person that he shot is walking away. Yeah, guns, it's over. The guns, situation is over until the gun comes out, and now a man, a father, and a husband uh, lost his life. Yeah, and and people say, well, there's, he was certainly within the law because he felt right that his life. Was yeah, gone. just because you feel like you're in trouble because you acted, you know, it's the same thing I, as George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman yeah, went around right. and put his nose somewhere that it shouldn't that it shouldn't have been. He acted foolishly. I, he acted did. stupidly. And then he may have found out that, oh, I'm losing this battle with this young tough here, right? So then what? Yeah. Bring out a gun. Bring out a gun and, yeah. 
Exactly. And that's precisely the problem with having 390 million Prime. guns floating around Absolutely. this country yeah. is that they escalate situations like this that turn deadly. Igor Volsky with Guns Down. It's gunsdownamerica.org. So I have to ask you about some of the other news of yes, the day. Yes, okay? yes, yes. Let's do it. Uh, uh, so um, the story keeps changing about this meeting at Trump Tower on June 9th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to keep up with the changing story, right? I believe you know. Like, I believe the original adoption story. I don't know what you're talking about. I still think it was about was the legit. adoption. <laughs> this was a meeting about adoption, and Donald Trump knew nothing about it, and that's all they talked about was adoption, and it was perfectly legal, right? Now it's so far from that, right? <sighs> no, it was a meeting we knew ahead of time. It was to get dirt on Hillary, but everybody does this, and it's perfectly legal. Yeah, I you know everybody does it with russians with russians especially <laughs> yeah, right yeah i mean look this is the ninth version as you point out of of the story that we've heard uh, boom, this boom, is boom. this yeah. also comes after the president dictated that statement on air force 1 that said it was about adoption which he originally denied having which he originally denied uh, okay the white house denied that he had anything to do with it now they admit that he dictated the statement so you know we'll find out soon enough but the question is why do members of the Trump administration, including Trump himself, repeatedly first hid all meetings with Russians and then lied about all of their meetings with Russians if, as Trump claims, all they were doing was what anyone else would do, just getting this dirt, et cetera, et cetera. Clearly, there's something more there. And the fact that more details are coming out about Maria Butina, who oh, is the student yeah. Yeah, uh, who yeah. uh, was the Russian alleged Russian operative who infiltrated the NRA and met with a whole host of other high level Republican she officials. She infiltrated the National Prayer Breakfast, <laughs> which is what Why I love. Why isn't that a controversy? <laughs> One of our most <laughs> sacred institutions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That has nothing to do with prayer. It's all about just people showing off. Right. right yeah, yeah but, exactly. No, I mean, and, and by the way, uh, I made this point earlier. Uh, Opposition research, I was a candidate, every candidate does it, right? And you pay a firm to go out and do this opposition research. That's perfectly legal. Getting information from a foreign government is illegal. illegal. It is against the law. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the assertion is perfectly legal and everybody does it. Just... Well, and that's the game, right, to convince your core supporters that you did nothing wrong when inevitably a report comes out from Mueller showing that you've had all these connections. He's now laying down the groundwork to convince his base and to ensure that Republicans in Congress don't have the political room to do anything about that report. Right. No, I That's mean, the clearly the strategy is to undermine any credibility of Mueller so that when the, when the report comes out. Um, Precisely. You're right, yeah. Precisely. Um, but the, the way, the same thing with, with the meetings. It went from collusion, right? There were nobody ever met, nobody around me ever met with any Republican, Russian. Well, that changed to, well, we had a lot of meetings, but... There was no collusion. <laughs> now they say, well, collusion is not a crime. Not a crime. <laughs> not a crime. Point to a single statue. That viola yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, a, it's a shifting story, which, again, leads you to believe that, that they are laying the groundwork for, for you oh, know, okay, for real PR you're not a lawyer. to discredit him. Right. Uh, thankfully, I'm not a lawyer. Okay. Neither am I. Okay. All right. but Anybody I, here a lawyer? 
Are there okay. any lawyers? Now? All right. But I want to say, so without being a lawyer, yeah. when you look at what we've read about the Paul Manafort case. Oh, guilty. That, uh, guilty. I decided. I've decided long ago. But, I mean, Manafort has no defense. The defense is blaming it on Rick Gates. Yeah. Oh, my deputy made me do it. All right, I made mean, me buy that suit uh, <laughs> of peacock. What is it? Peacock no, the, feathers? No, 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 what was it? No, it was the ostrich, ostrich. bomber jacket ostrich. out of ostrich skin. Ostrich oh, okay. There was no right. peacock suit. Did I make that up? There's no peacock suit. Has there, has there been a peacock I, I don't suit? think there was a peacock. Okay. I think you're confusing another right. giant well, maybe, they, maybe, they haven't, maybe they haven't found it yet. And the peacock. Okay. Right, right. No, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the whole thing, the, the two areas of defense they found is Rick Gates made me do it. And I parked the money in these offshore accounts, like in Cyprus and whatever, and hid the money because that's what the oligarchs wanted me to do with See, the money. See, I just don't understand how, if you had and, so much money, how is it that he was all of the, like, he was all in bankruptcy or close to yeah. being low on cash? Like, what are you spending $60 million on? What kind of, how uh, much money is going out the door all the time that you find yourself... Out of money, I th that that well, I don't understand. When you walked into a, a a men's clothing boutique in on Madison Avenue and walked out having plunked down nine hundred thousand dollars for a couple of suits and a couple of sports coats, I yeah. guess that would do it. I mean, if you do that yeah. a whole bunch of that. times, I guess. Yeah, buying this multi-million-dollar house for his daughter in Virginia and then spending another few million dollars to renovate it. No, they okay. they had a pretty list, long the, list of long things. List. Okay, but I thought, I mean, it looks like the case against him is. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Right, and 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 he has. I don't think. And Gates takes the stand all. today, right? Is that right? Gates takes the stand today. Yeah. Right. Uh, mm. And then this is only the first trial. Remember when Trump when so he first how long before Donald Trump pardons him <laughs> <laughs> when he first started running and he would say things like I'll surround myself with the best people I have the oh. best people and now how many of them have been indicted connected to this whole Russia collusion story or how, how many of them are still left yeah you? how many are left and how many have pled guilty I mean my goodness um, to something right uh, then the the other news that it was was LeBron James we yes. talked about this earlier. Uh, Donald Trump attacking LeBron James and Don Lemon um, for the interview that Don Lemon did with LeBron James. So I know you're a big. I know you're a big sports fan, Igor. Big sports. I'm fan. big sports fan. But, but, but one aspect that we didn't talk about is, so the first lady came out with a statement saying, "I think LeBron James is doing a wonderful thing, and I would love to go visit his school." Now this is the second week in a row. Right? What was it last week, Peter? The um, that Melania, oh, oh, oh she'll watch whatever channel she exactly. wants. Exactly. Well, right. He got pissed off because she was watching CNN. He raised hell. All TVs have to be on Fox. And his, her spokesperson put out a thing saying, the first lady will watch whatever channel she wants, right? Oh. So what's going on? Now she's saying, I love LeBron James, even if my husband Bell, What's going on here, I Igor? I can't wait to read the book about their relationship in the White House that one of the staffers is going to write. I can't wait because my suspicion is she must be like absolutely furious at him. Clearly, she never signed up for this kind of public life in this way. Must be absolutely furious. And she must be now in a place where she's decided she's going to try to undermine him 
in any way she can. And so these little forms of aggression, I think, are her way of protesting against, you know, everything he's he's put her through. And you know she knows that Stormy Daniels is true. Oh, Stormy Daniels and then the other one. Karen McDougal. Yes, and of course. And, and, and that was when she had just given birth to Barron, so she no. can't be happy about that. No. I mean, no, I, yeah. I can't wait for that That's book. going to be a juicy book. I can't wait for that book. Ooh. Do you think she'll write it herself? No, Maybe. I'm sure I think Melania. the staffer. I think my the staffer. story. I don't think she wants to. I mean, my sense is she doesn't. It also would probably break some sort of prenuptial agreement that they have. Oh, I definitely. Mean, I, don't, I don't want to. I, I don't know what the prenuptial agreement looks like, but knowing Donald Trump and knowing how he operates, it's probably pretty brutal of what she can oh, or I'm cannot sure. say. I'm sure. And what he can and cannot get away with. Well, you know what I mean? I'm not sure about that second part of it. I think the I first part is probably sure. pretty tough. Like, I think, if he has an affair or something like that, like that would not be grounds for her to, you know, get a divorce and take a, a, a whatever money he claims to have. I'm sure that's built in there. Oh, I, I see. To protect him. To protect him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, thought yeah, you yeah, meant yeah, yeah, tough yeah, yeah. on him. No, oh, I was going to say. Oh, no, right, yeah. No, no, no you know no, it's written. No, no, that, no, 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 no restrictions on him. Yeah, right. Uh, well, Free Melania. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a call for today. Igor Volsky with us here from Guns Down. Jen Bendry, we, our good friend, covers the White House and Congress for HuffPost. Uh, joining us next here at the table with all the rest of the news of the day. Big primaries tomorrow in several states. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Quick break. We'll be right back with the Monday edition of the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Here we go on this Monday, August 6th, the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., booming out to you all across this great land of ours, wherever you are uh, in this country and around the globe, but we're there with you online, on TV, and on the radio, and brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers, the great teachers of America, making a difference in the classroom every day under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. We salute them. Thank them for the support of the program and direct you to their website at AFT.org. Formerly from uh, Think Progress and the Center for American Progress, Igor Volsky, now executive director of Guns Down, GunsDownAmerica.org. Building a future with fewer guns. There we are. Okay. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker. A bumper sticker. Out there. Joined here, uh, uh, Igor here is a friend of Bill for the entire hour, joined by our good friend from HuffPost, uh, Jennifer Bendry. Jen, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, I mean, this is sort of like your summer vacation, right? <laughs> House is out. President's out of town. The Senate's out of town. Nothing to do. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> there's always something to do. Yeah. yeah. The Senate was here last week. Are they coming back? They are, but they're taking like two weeks off. So it is. this is like the, the quote-unquote quiet time of Congress. Usually they take all of August off, but... Remember the uh, actual quiet time of Congress? Remember, like it was actually quiet. Mm-mm. I mean, it is. I mean, everybody is gone now. They're it's gone quieter. for this week. Quieter. Yes, the but, quieter time. But there's always news, so it's not like just because Congress is out, there's nothing happening. They're all back home, and many of them are running for re-election, and so they're trying to look really good back home and saying things that don't match what they're doing in D.C. Well, they're not all back home. Rand Paul is in Moscow, right? So he. Um, after, he's the only senator that I know that when uh, Vla- uh, Donald Trump folded to Vladimir Putin, caved in entirely, Rand Paul said, this is a good thing because we should have good relations with with, uh, with Russia. And so I'm going to go over there myself and hold some meetings. 
So here he is today saying uh, now what he wants to do is set up summits between the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and the Russian Foreign Relations Committee. What could go wrong? Here's Rand Paul. We have agreed and we have invited members of the Foreign Relations Committee of Russia to come to the United States to meet with us in Washington. We've also agreed uh, if it can be arranged to meet as well in a neutral country with all of our committees. So why don't we just merge, right? <laughs> what could, yeah. yeah, just one country, Russia-erica. And, <laughs> and have joint meetings between these two committees. I don't is get this? Rand Paul. I don't know why he's doing this. Who's the constituency for this? That's I don't what I don't know. understand. I don't know. But he's also, he tries to carve out little niches for himself in the Senate. So he's like going against the grain on things. Yeah. He does it all the time. He, he did it on confirming Mike Pompeo to the... To his current gig, and he did it. To uh, he just did it last week. What did with he Brett Kavanaugh? On? With Brett Kavanaugh. So no, he said, "Oh no, I'm not sure I could vote for this guy. I'm not sure I could vote for that." And P- Peter and I, we talked about it here, just saying, "Don't believe a word he says. He's going to vote for Kavanaugh." And of course, two days later, he has a, a very clear record of staking out a claim on something that is against the grain of his party, and then everyone's wondering what's going to, what's he doing? Is he going to block a nominee or change some policy? And then in the end. He'll he just caved. tweet something about how he talked to the president and he's on board with whatever everybody wants. You know, there is a so, small Russian community in Kentucky, but it is small. <laughs> and I don't imagine that those folks who fled, typically it's the Soviet Union, would support having closer ties with Putin. So I don't understand who he's trying to appeal to. I, I don't get it. I get it. Plus this idea of... This reminds me of Donald Trump totally caving uh, and 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 buying Vladimir Putin's idea that we would we would let the Russian intelligence agents oh, yeah. come over here and and <laughs> infiltrate our FBI right and 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 have jo- interview people here and and we would then they would allow us to go over there and interview some people and Donald Trump says sounds like a great idea to me until everybody in the justice department and the intelligence agency says no we don't let their spies into our Operations, right? I, I feel like these. So this are... is Rand Paul saying, "Let's let those Russians come over here in the Senate." Can you imagine having a joint meeting? That's what he's talking about with the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and Russians sitting on the same platform there. I think he's just saying these things to curry favor with Trump because he wants Trump to like him publicly, and so then maybe that will yeah. look good back home. But I don't I don't think anybody is on board with what Rand Paul is saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right. The Russian- Except the, for Ru- Trump. Except for Trump. The Russian <laughs> constituency in Kentucky is very, very small. small. Very so, small. So uh, this, uh, on, on, a, on a line with this, um, guess who you probably know Donald Trump played golf with yesterday at Bedminster, New Jersey. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. Shocking. Yeah. Here's another one who's always trying to show how independent he is, right, of Donald Trump. And then what does he do? That's a really interesting match to me because, I mean, I cover the Senate and Lindsey Graham is very easy to talk to and he's a reporter favorite. Yeah. Um, And he's he's funny. He's really funny. He's very engaging. He'll usually answer your questions, whatever they are. Um, So of all people to... Routinely play golf with Donald Trump. The fact that it's Lindsey Graham is is still strange to me because he's not as hardline as as some of the people in his party, and he's he can be reasonable in the hallways when we talk to him. And then you have a conversation with him about him 
having some issues with something that Trump is doing. And then you read, you know, on the weekend that he's been golfing with the president again, which no other senator is doing. So there's something that's very unusual to me. I think he's like one of those people who's like, I can change him. I can change him. If I talk enough sense into him, I can change him. I think that's his play. You know, he some of the stuff he says, I mean, he's not... He's polite in his criticism, but he's direct, right? I say, no, I didn't think this is done. Trump should be doing this, or he shouldn't be saying this. And I, I think you just, to me, the impact of that is lost if he's hanging out with him on the golf course on the buddy, weekends. Buddy, buddy. Well, also though, think that think about how Lindsey Graham is really close with John McCain, for example. John McCain is like enemy mm-hmm. number one in the Senate to Donald Trump. So, I, I, I just feel like there's some other dimension to this that must be happening, uh, like Lindsey Graham. Maybe I Lindsey Graham Lin- needs a friend. I mean, McCain is in Arizona all the time. He needs a friend in Washington, Maybe, so it's true. I picture him talking to John McCain through this because they're very close personally, too. And you, you picture Lindsey Graham oh, and McCain. talking yeah. to John McCain currently. I just right. picture it because they were like inseparable in the Senate. And I just, the, the frequency with which he is golfing with, with Trump makes me think that He's trying to, uh, this is just my theory, but that he's trying to like bring him back in from the brink on some things. <laughs> he's trying to like, you know, prevent Trump from causing further damage internationally because international policy is what Lindsey Graham works on and that's what he cares well, about. I mean, not the worst idea. You do need some people from the inside to kind of pull him back. That's that's my theory. Not the worst idea. Yeah. Well, back to John McCain. I mean, we do remember the first time that all of us thought oh, this is going to kill Donald Trump's chances of ever getting the nomination. The very first outrageous thing of many, 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 many (laughs) was when he said he has no respect for John McCain because he was a prisoner of war. He's not a war hero. So he last night, uh, no, a couple of nights ago in Ohio, uh, he gets in another dig at John McCain. Again, if Lindsey Graham is John McCain's best friend, you know, again, I don't know why he's hanging out with Donald Trump. So here's just just listen carefully. Here's Donald Trump saying, "We need. Here's why we need more Republicans in the Senate because we don't have a big enough majority." The fact is, we need more Republicans. People say we have a majority. We don't really have the majority in the Senate. Fifty-one. We have one person not voting. That's his reference to John McCain. Yeah, we have one person not voting. I mean, you would think, right? Poor John McCain, who's suffering from brain cancer. You know, we pray for him, we think of him, but you know, he's. Do you know who just Trump just yeah, ever what? expressed empathy say, toward would anybody? You, why, why would, would you would... think that? that like, he's not capable of that. That is not his thing. When has he ever said that about anybody? Never, I guess. No, you're right. Never, but just. How is John McCain? <laughs> I want to ask disgusting. how John McCain is doing. Has anybody. Oh, Peter doesn't like that. How? How? <laughs> I just. Who, who knows? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Cancer. I, mean, I have no, no idea. I'd like to know too. I'd I like to know. Jen, have you heard anything about how he's doing? I mean, we can think about what condition he's in. He's got brain cancer and it's terminal. Yeah. And he's in Arizona and he every now and then he'll he or his office will chip in a, a statement on something going on with, with Trump or the news. But he's he's dying. And I mean I don't really know I mean we've publicly we've seen other, you know, public officials with the same brain cancer john or uh uh, senator kennedy had it joe biden's son had it and it we know i mean if you know anything about uh what is it called like glass yeah a g word (laughs) it's a terminal condition so i assume 
I mean, and, and John McCain's daughter is on The View, and she talks about it on the show a little bit. But I'm sure he's just trying to be comfortable, and his family's around him. And, and but he's still engaged in D.C. I mean, I've seen some pretty fiery statements from him in response to something Trump has said, even like in the last few weeks. Most recently with the uh, summit, the so-called summit yeah. in, uh, in, in Helsinki. So he's not like completely so, checked out of what's happening in Washington. So in terms of tweets over the weekend, uh, most of the attention for Donald Trump's was about Donald Trump's tweet on the, uh, which Igor and I just talked about, the June 9 meeting. But he also um, happened to see, I guess, Don Lemon's interview with LeBron James. Uh, do you have that? Can we pull up that? That the tweet? Yeah, give me a second. I'll pull up a okay. tweet. I don't have it right right offhand, but I'll give it just a second. So uh, Don went out to Columbus or wherever LeBron James just opened this this new school, toured the school with him, and uh, in the interview, uh, LeBron James said something about the president is trying to divide us. Um, it's, it's unfortunate times because the, the president, this president's right. Here it is. Uh, we're in a position, this is LeBron James, we're in a position right now in America, more importantly, where the race thing has taken over because I believe our president is kind of trying to divide us, LeBron James. At which point, Donald Trump fires off. Yeah, he had a very uh, measured and uh, thoughtful yes. response. <laughs> uh, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, <laughs> Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike, <laughs> which is the best part of that tweet. Uh, so Charles Blow this morning in the New York Times has a list of all the people that Donald Trump has attacked as being dumb, dumb. Dumber. You know, Mika Brzezinski, of course, Maxine Waters. It goes on on SC Cup, Ariana Huffington. Most of them, by the way, happen to be women. Most of them happen to be women of color. Uh, in a total coincidence, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. But sort of in, in a line with what we were talking about with John McCain. I mean, uh, he can't help himself. It's who he is. It's what his impulses are, and he has no impulse control whatsoever. Yeah. I, 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 I think... That, that's exactly right. It's it's a reflection of who he is. I would say both a misogynist and a racist. I worry. I worry that the press focuses too much on his erratic, impulsive behavior, which we've all seen on full display for over two years, and we all can like rehash yet another example yeah. of like how he's impulsive and and off, unhinged, and he's going to grab headlines again for something else crazy that he says. I worry that that the media might lose not the, I, just people in general. I worry that we might focus a little too much on that at this point and not look at what he's actually doing because and I say this in part because uh, I was just uh, I, I met this woman a little while back who is in her 70s. She was at the Supreme Court protesting the Muslim ban like the old the previous Muslim. Yeah. Ban. And she said something that stayed with me, which was she's like, don't. She's like, don't let the dead cat, don't don't focus on the dead cat. Like, watch out for the dead cat. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, the dead cat syndrome. Don't you know about this? And I said, no, what do you mean? And she said, she's like, okay, Igor and Bill, we're sitting here, the three of us at a table, having a conversation about something, a real conversation. And then somebody walks up and throws a dead cat on the table. And we all jump back and look at this dead cat and say, oh, my God, it's a dead cat on the table. And we completely forgot what we were just talking about. And we're staring at a dead cat. And it just throws everything off. And 
and then and that's it and so what this woman was saying that donald trump is effectively throwing dead cats left and right on tables disrupting conversations about real things and we just divert our attention to the dead cat laying in the middle of the table and what this woman's point was was you know as talking to me you know as a reporter i i hope that you are able to you know avoid the dead cat syndrome because there's real you're you're trying to talk about real things and someone keeps throwing a dead cat on the table and throwing you off and you're just focusing on the dead cat instead of what is actually happening and what you were talking about that's of substance and so i've it stayed with me when this woman said that and as we've gone on now into the trump presidency there's so many times when he's saying things that are unhinged and dangerous and false and offensive and it's worth obviously attention it's the president of the united states saying these things but i do worry that that when there's so much focus on his tweeting that we're missing the fact that he's really hurting farmers really badly right now for example and, and pretending they're fine because of his tariffs or he still hasn't reunited these families at the at the border and i know all these things are in the press too but that's like real people when we turn off twitter and we walk outside there's like people right like living their lives and those are the things that are like really happening yeah well no i think that's a good point but i do think we're focusing on those things i'm not saying we're not focusing on those but it makes me i just when when we come off the weekend and i i know he's saying more crazy things but he it makes me feel like i mean he's like well where are all those kids too right and and i see the headlines about like the what we just talked about like here are all the people that donald trump has called dumb Okay, like that's sort of like embarrassing and 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 below the you know the dignity of the office of the president. But like, how are those kids doing? Like, you know, how many is it still six hundred children who don't know where their parents are because of this administration? And so I, I personally like I I I'm trying to refocus on that more. I don't know why I'm giving this monologue myself no, no, as a reporter. No, no. I am going to tell you all that I am focusing more <laughs> on, on the policies okay. of this presidential this, this okay. administration. Okay. And, you know, <laughs> and you know what Donald Trump's going to say in response to that? Um, I, I hate to come back to another dead cat, but he, he at this rally in Ohio, uh, he here's one of his favorite dead cats. He's talking about CNN and MSNBC, first CNN. They're torn. Do we put him on and get great ratings and let him say that, like, CNN is a fake? Or or do we not put him on? They're very torn. Yeah. So that's CNN. They're fake news. We know they're there. But they're not the worst. Now Donald Trump says MSNBC is even worse. MSNBC is so corrupt. <laughs> it's so disgusting. So disgusting. This, this is new for him. I would yeah. say almost they're worse. They're almost worse. They're really a fake news group of people. What was the story the, they did? So there they are, right. The, the MS, what was the story that triggered that, I wonder? Oh, something did. Something did, for sure, yeah. Has he ever ga- gone uh, against but, the HuffPost in, in those terms? At least not so publicly, right? He's said things in the past. He called Ariana a dummy. He's definitely insulted Ariana. Um, he's insulted the Huffington Post, but I think because we're not on TV... Oh, yeah. And I think he's it. got he's, TV on oh, all the time. TV. He's not going to read the go internet. He's going to go on the internet and read HuffPost. No. So I think it's the uh, <laughs> You're safe. clearly the TV networks that are going to get it. Right. Um, it, it's getting to the point where, I mean, again, we, we talked a little bit earlier about um, the First Lady disagreeing with him on LeBron James. Uh, it was his daughter 
Ivanka, who said, no, the media are not the enemy of the people uh, last week. But it's getting to the point where, I mean, he does it all the time. The crowds always love it. Um, but where the constant, constant attacks on, on the media, unrelenting, I think they're starting to, I think, I think they have been troubling for a long time, but I, I'm, I think they're getting really worse and more serious and potentially could lead I to mean, it's God a, knows what. It's a risk, right? He's taking a gamble that, some, that the supporters of his who are somewhat unstable aren't going to take him seriously, right? And aren't going to go and hurt a reporter based on the rhetoric he's putting out there. It's a gamble. It's a calculated gamble he's taking. It's the kind of gamble that the NRA takes all the time with their harsh rhetoric when they attack the press and Democrats and other individuals. It's a real risk. We saw what happened with the NRA and Timothy McVeigh, a former NRA member who bombed the the Oklahoma building where where the agency that regulates uh, guns to some degree uh, is located, right? So it's a... It's a real gamble. There's a real risk in this kind right. of rhetoric. We've seen people put that rhetoric into action. Uh, to, to your point, here is a caller to C-SPAN. I've done C-SPAN many, many times, and, and they open up the phones, and you get a lot of really weird calls on C-SPAN. So here's a guy talking about the media yesterday. I don't even know these Americans out here, and they're calling us racist because we voted for Trump. Come on, give me a break. They started the war. I see him, I'm going to shoot him. Bye. Yeah. If I see him, I'm going to shoot him. Bye. That, that, that's where it's going. And you saw that rally in Tampa, the crowd at the, at the Tampa rally last week. You know? And, and I, I, I did this interview with Larry King. Larry King, he's still there the other, the other day. And Larry, he says, what has changed, Bill? It didn't used to be this way. What has changed? Yeah, to me, what has changed is to a president of the United States in the White House who is egging on this kind of um, antagonism, if not violence, toward the media. Yeah, it's really Encouraging bad. It. He's tweeting it. He says it. He, I mean, every possible chance he has, he's using the phrase enemy of the people and and calling the media the enemies and, uh, you know, fake news. I mean, just it's it's like the it's not even just that he, he says it. He's been saying it for so long now and with like this like fiery, you know, belief in it that it does resonate with people who are mad about something and like need somewhere to direct it. I mean, I've seen I've seen video footage that reporters have shared of people screaming at them in the press pen mm-hmm. at a at a Trump campaign event or a Trump rally. And like just last week somebody uh tw- like posted some video footage. I think it might have been Jim Acosta, Jim Acosta. at CNN. Yeah. He sh- he's like here's what I I'm seeing right now and it was like Hordes of people staring at him, screaming at him, giving them the middle finger, shouting fake news, dropping F-bombs. And this is just a a reporter standing in a roped off area at a, you know, the president's event, just standing there. I mean, that's terrifying. These are just people being reporters and that anger that people have and they're channeling it now toward just people in the press. I mean, mean, it's so misdirected. He sees it as a benefit for him, right? Because then... His supporters won't believe the stories that the press writes. He can create right. his own reality. He can shape his own news. It hurts our democracy. It hurts our our way of consuming information. We can't all agree on a set of basic facts ever anymore. Um, but this is to his benefit, and I think it's obviously to the detriment of our country and you know, to the real risk of reporters who are just doing their jobs.
Yeah, it's it's on a par with every all the attacks on Mueller trying to undermine the credibility yeah. of Mueller all Mueller in advance of any report that comes out. All the attacks on the media, I think, uh, trying to undermine our credibility so that anything that's reported, people are going to say, well, you know, they're just out to get Trump. Yeah, it's really <laughs> unsettling that we what's unraveling here is our, our beliefs in what is true and what is not true. Because when you, if you can shake that, then people will just believe whatever, and that's what exactly what Trump wants. So if you know, as this Russia investigation goes on, I just, I, I worry that you know, let's say they find some big conclusion, how many people in America will say it's not true, no matter what, no matter what it you is, know? no matter how much yeah. evidence there is. Yeah. But you know what? I think the only answer is uh, we just got to continue to do our job, tell the truth report the news as it is and uh and i think ultimately the truth will win the day um despite donald trump and that's what you do every day jen benry thank you so much thank thanks you. for coming in i follow jen of course at huffpost.com and great new organization with a great new executive director guns down america thank you bill dot org thanks igor thanks very much for coming in uh that's it for this monday friends and neighbors the rest of the day is all yours make the most of it and then come back and see us again tomorrow we'll be looking for this you this is the bill press show